Hey everybody, it's Richie, and before we start another episode here of Sporty with Corey and Richie, we want to tell you about DraftKings and DraftKings.com. You know about it by now. Download either their app or go to their website, and when you sign up, you can use promo code THPN to gain a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. And of course, as you know by now, Sporty Nation, the Phoenix Suns are kicking ass in the NBA this year, one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. And as they continue the second half of the season, this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings will let you play daily fantasy basketball, and you can draft Devin Booker on your team. DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, they are all available to fill out your daily fantasy lineup. And you can win millions of dollars. Once again, DraftKings app or DraftKings.com, promo code THPN to get your free shot at millions of dollars. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. over here chowing down on some froyo which will come later in our conversation of um, our sporty question for the night we will have um an edition of the only thing i can come up with so far is, is scotty squabbles well we'll come up with something better i just feel like that squabbles is a weird word i'm not in love with it so we'll, we'll come up with a better segment but scotty will be joining us to to rant a little with us today and and it should be a fun show so Per the usual, I got to introduce, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. My, I have an idea for what to call Scotty's segment. Now, um, it kind of goes along the lines of Scott's Tots from The Office. Oh, God. Right? But, but yeah. instead, we call it Scott's Thoughts. You see? Oh, that's the winner. That was pretty good. The funny part is I thought about Scott's toss earlier. I was like, maybe we could do that. That was that was good, Richie. I got to give that to you. That was solid. Thank you. I um, Usually, as you know, Scotty, I'm not the brains behind this operation. That goes to Corey. She's the <laughs> she's the smart one when it came comes to naming things and being creative. So I, I can win one every once in a while and have a good idea. Hey, it's called doing marketing as your day job. You have to think mm-hmm. of this shit all day long. And so, and sometimes my brain literally cannot think of anything creative. You killed that one, Richie. That one is most definitely the best option we could have come up with. Richie is buzzing early already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, just like the Coyotes were doing against the, the Colorado Avalanche there. So that's a good, a good, a good segue. I, I, I was going to say, I, what a killer segue. Exactly. I, I, I will, I think the reason why I'm coming in hot here to start is because um, the, the wine I'm drinking is delicious. And I think that's why. So to put a new meaning to the word yes. buzzing, <laughs> you know, what, uh, what wine are you drinking tonight, Richie? Well, thank you for asking Corey. I'm drinking, I'm drinking a 
Red Blend from Knocking Point, which is, of course, my go-to uh, wine company, as always. And they, I just got a new Red Blend from them that they are calling, I believe it's called It's Your Go-To Red Wine. And that's what I'm drinking tonight. It's very delicious. I recommend it. Very nice. Red wine happens to be my favorite. Knocking Point has some good ones and some ones that are kind of average. Um, but they've had some pretty good ones that have come out. Like I said before, um, Scotty and I are over here eating some frozen yogurt, which always makes me a little bit laugh because of a show that um, you and I both watched um, and now uh, The Good Place. Mm-hmm. And they make a joke in it where they say only humans would come up with something that is like a little bit less good just so you can eat more of it. <laughs> and I always think of that whenever I, I eat frozen yogurt now is that. And so that's why the the entire The Good Place was supposed to. It's a, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Corey's about to give us the whole synopsis of the good plays. Everyone no, no, it. I was actually about to spoil <laughs> it. But basically, it's been, it's been it off. Be it's, it's been off air for a year now. Like that's, I, you can spoil it if you want at this point. <laughs> so the good place is actually the bad place, and so, but they don't know that. So what they do is they torture them by making them very, making everything like average. So they can't have ice cream; they can only have frozen yogurt. Mm. <laughs> so i i love frozen yogurt but i always think about that when i eat it but at the beginning of the show that's there's a legit a, a frozen yogurt place where you can get any flavor of frozen yogurt you want exactly that is true and they have weird names for them like uh getting a new cell phone like things that you like would that you can't eat but like make you feel good that was like their weird names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, here we go. There's a whole but, thing yeah. on here. Six times the good place was obsessed with frozen yogurt. See? I wasn't just making <laughs> this up, people. This is now the Froyo <laughs> podcast. I uh, that would be that would be great if we could get a Froyo sponsor. That means more Froyo for everybody, and I could dig that, one hundred percent. There's so many like Froyo places now at this point that like there there. I'm sure there's like a little mom and pop like yogurt place that would sponsor us. I mean, frozen yogurt is really good. I do love like traditional ice cream like custard that's really bad for you, but frozen yogurt has come a long way, to say the least, and all the toppings. For the best part. That's actually what makes it unhealthy is all of the toppings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's still just like anything else. It's still bad for you. <laughs> I mean, I probably make it the most like healthy you can be. I put strawberries on top of mine. Oh, yeah. Richie, what's your go-to toppings for Froyo? Oh, that should be a sporty question sometime, but continue. Um, I don't eat it that often. I don't eat Froyo or ice cream that often, surprisingly, anymore. But I... It depends on the flavor I get. So it's not like I usually don't just go vanilla. I usually go with one of the other ones. Like I'll go with like, um, uh, I, gosh dang it. Well, the last time I went, went to a place like that, I got like a flavor that was 
meant to go with something else and I don't remember what it was, but I'll usually do that. So like I'll go with, if it was like a strawberries and cream type flavor, then I'll put strawberries on top of it or something like that. So like, it just depends. I don't really have a go-to. I won't put gummy worms or any of that crap on there. He did try to get a churro like ice cream sandwich, mm-hmm. but they told him it would take so long to make that he just gave up on it. <laughs> to make a churro ice cream sandwich? Yeah. You can go to Churro Holic and you can get like a sandwich like they do at Baked Bear, uh-huh. but with churros. Yeah, and apparently they're not like as high class as Baked Bear. That makes them really quickly for the most part. Like here, it's like a whole process. And so they were like, sorry, it's going to take 15 minutes. I was like, oh, all right. I guess I'll just get regular ice cream then. Oh, but then, but, but PSA to everybody. Um, if you go get churros with Corey and she's driving, make sure you hold on to your churro with dear life. That was not my fault that your churro was, I was driving super slow. I was taking these turns super slow for Richie's sake. His is not my fault. His churro broke in half. Like as we were driving, the whole bottom half of his churro just fell off. And also I looked the next day in my seat, like every crevice of my seat was covered in cinnamon and sugar because... He was holding mine and he was holding his and his just broke in his hand. But like in all reality, what was the most important thing to me at that moment was saving our churros. He also almost fell on the stairs going up the stairs. And I thought he's going to land on his churro going back up to his apartment. So, you know, we got through it though. No churros were harmed. And Richie's a child. You got to safety protect it. It's true. It's it's 100% true. Cat will attest to it 100%. She's she's yeah. not here right now, but she will she would have she if she I jokes you, all, I just blame it on Izzy, to be honest. She yeah, she jokes all the time that she lives with two kids and like it's true. I'm I'm a massive child. <laughs> I can't help it. Like you guys know this. Every time every time we go to Comic-Con, I get lost cuz I'm like a I'm like a child and I'll just wander off on my own. Oh, yeah. I, I need to put like a bell on you or something. It's one of those things where and even when we go to concerts, you end up we were at a concert and we were in actual seats. But then there was the whole it was it was auction. So there's the whole uh, lawn part behind us. No joke. Richie was standing right next to us. I turned my head two minutes just like a parent would with a child and he is gone and he's visiting with one of our friends from college all the way on the other side of uh of the lawn and I was like how the hell did you get over there and he was like well I want Adam texted me and I wanted to go see him I'm like Jesus Richie but I mean it's kind of scary how quickly you can get from place to place I'm like uh, I'm like the Flash or Connor Garland, one of the two. I I mean, yeah, it it depends on the night, probably. Are you getting beat up like Carlin, Connor Garland is half the night? No, luckily no. <laughs> or Jacob Chikrin too. Jake, you can add Jacob Chikrin to that list since he took a a. St- a stick to the face against, I think it was Nathan McKinnon 
and drew blood like and yeah it was nasty there for a bit I completely understand teams you know trying to target like better players in order to try and you know uh gain an advantage in the game and, and so on and so forth but I almost feel like it's a little cheap against the Coyotes considering the fact that there is not a large pool of good players that the Coyotes have so like to try and knock a team already when they're down just kind of seems like overkill most of the time. <laughs> That's such a shot. God, Corey's coming out mean tonight already. Just trolling the Coyotes for not having enough talent. Well, we started at this entire, like, we don't normally, we don't, like you guys know, we don't normally pre- plan everything for our show, but we do have a small rundown and Richie put in an article for it. Um, basically it was a, a TSN article that was talking about if the coyotes um, are ready for a change. And we were sitting here talking about the fact that one of the people that keeps on coming up, uh, Richie even tweeted it from um, our account today about like ESPN was talking about it and stuff is that uh, everyone keeps on speculating Connor Garland being up on the chopping block for a trade because of the fact that, you know, his contract's so small. He's, you know, been one of the only standout players in the Coyotes this season and so on and so forth. So, I mean, even when we were talking about it in that aspect about, like, trading, why is Connor Garland's name constantly coming up? It was simply because of the fact that... Um, he is one of the few players actually worth anything on this team. So technically you guys all said what I just said out loud. You just said it before we started the podcast. <laughs> I, okay. That's, that's definitely true. It's nothing. It's not a shock. We say that on the show all the time about the Coyotes talent level and you see it against the Colorado avalanche for the most part this season where the talent mismatch is just crazy. But to continue on with this TSN article, and there's a report from Darren Draga, Darren Draga, where he says, um, you know, Bill Armstrong doesn't want to use the word rebuild. It's not a fire sale for the Coyotes, just a strong appetite for different. And he goes on to say that, I don't know if it's going to happen at the trade deadline or in the off season, but uh, like you said, Corey, and, I'm, and Connor Garland did not make their list of trade bait. Um, but I, I'm curious to get, hear what Scotty has to say about this because I don't think we've talked to talked to you, Scotty, about it. Um, Corey and I put Connor Garland on our list of players that we would not trade. Right now, it was him and Jacob Chikrin that Corey and I agreed are kind of at least players you can build around. But as I've thought about it over the last little while, I can see why the Coyotes might want to trade Connor Garland, and it makes sense for them to do so. For two reasons. Number one, he's going to be due a big pay raise this offseason. And we know that the Coyotes aren't going to be a cap team anymore. So they're going to be looking to kind of find every dollar they can. And pay, uh, giving a pay raise to a guy who's only making less than a million dollars this year is going to be tough for them salary cap-wise, depending on what Alex Marullo and Bill Armstrong want to do with this with what they want to spend their money on. And the second reason why I think it kind of makes sense for the Coyotes to trade Connor Garland is that 
his value to me is never going to be higher than it is right now, which is you got a cheap contract. You got a guy who is performing well right now. And I don't foresee them, you know, being able to go to teams down the road and being like, okay, well, uh, and his value might change next year where this year he's having a really good season. He'd, he'd be one of those guys that probably make the all-star team if, if that was going on this year. And then also like, do you really want to pay Connor Garland more money for the next three, four years as they're going through this new rebuild phase? Cause you're kind of wasting a good player essentially is what you're doing there for these next three years. Whereas, you know, they could go and grab more assets for cheaper and build that way. So like, what do you think about the prospect of trading Connor Garland, Scotty? Um, I think for right now, I mean, he started off the season well. He's kind of cooled down a little bit. I don't know. It d- depends where his value comes with his contract and what he's kind of looking for. I mean, if Coyotes can sign him between the five to seven mil range, even seven is going higher. But if they can sign him around there, I would say do it. Because if you trade him now, if you trade him for sure, you're com- you're going for a complete rebuild. Because you can trade guys like Golgoski, which is mentioned in that TSN, but like other guys on the team, Ronta's contract, I believe, is up after this year. That saves them like three something mil. Um, Golgoski is, uh, Jalmerson's coming up. So there's a lot of contracts that are going to be expiring, and he's going to have a lot of wiggle room to kind of decide which direction he wants to move this team. If I was him, I would err on more keeping Garland, but depends on the price and how much garland is looking for you know it could could come to the off season you're right you know he is going to have a big pay raise from whatever seven hundred fifty thousand he's making but i would agree with you and Corey on that list of i'd say garland chikrin and i'd say dvorak as well those are the three and maybe kemper too or four three to four guys i would say i would not trade but if you're gonna blow up the team you know you got to do it strategically because your defense is aging Ronta's injury prone. So you got to figure he's and they have goalie depth anyway. So I wouldn't be so concerned with Ronta's contract. Phil Kessel's contract expires not this year, but the end of next year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, pretty sure. So that's another guy you can kind of let loose. That's a six and a half million contract. So if I was them, I would probably err more on keeping Garland and shedding the more older side of the group's contract and essentially you're still committing to a rebuild, but at least you, if you're going to rebuild, like you still need pieces to build. So you still need good guys to build around. And if you blow it, blow it all up and they just suck, you're going to get a team that's kind of similar to, I don't know. I mean, New Jersey kind of went through that phase after Taylor Hall, which I'll bring up Taylor Hall later on, but you know, there's teams that just can't get out of being bad. And Coyotes kind of were one of those teams. And I think they were making good progress. And I think Chaika really fucked it up towards the end there. It's interesting that you bring up the fact of, you know, that there's a lot of guys that are aging and that you need to, like, especially like their G is aging and stuff like that. It, it I think it really is important to get some, obviously experience is key because of the fact that this team has been very young before and has made a lot of really young, naive mistakes. But at the same time, they're going to be moving into the central division, which is a very older division. So be becoming a team that's going to be a lot younger and fresh might actually be the way to come in 
um, at a different angle in this division when they come in because it's def- they definitely don't have the talent or the size to compete in the Central Division at the moment. And, yeah, Scotty, you mentioned, um, you know, kind of be having those pieces to build around going forward. And Connor Garland is 25 years old. So, for example, let's just say – they sign him to like a Christian Dvorak level contract, which I think is kind of the closest comparable for me. And they sign him to, uh, let me take a look at Christian. I think Christian Dvorak's deal was, yeah, his his most recent deal was six years for $26.7 million. And I think that would be very reasonable for Connor. And I think that's kind of what the Kaido should come at with him. Uh, I don't think he quite deserves a uh, Clayton Keller type contract. Um, seeing as he's three years older. But in a way, I think you might be right. Like if the Kyries can figure out a way to get this team rebuilt and contend again in three years, you're looking at a Connor Garland who now is a, a very much a veteran, which you're going to need around in order to, to win in this league. We know that. You're looking at a guy who would probably make it into your leadership group moving forward, I'd imagine, once some of your assistant captains move on. And might even contend for the captaincy, you know, after Oliverick Malarson moves on. Because I I think we all agree Oliverick Malarson is not playing out his contract with this team. He's going to play for another team before his career is over. So let's just say if they contend again by the time in three years from now, you're looking at a guy who's 28. And around that time, that 27, 28, 29, 30, that's usually when players kind of get into their prime years, really. Right for a lot of those, you know, for a lot of those players, right around the skill level of Connor Garland, because that's when they get into their free agency years. That's when they start to become a little bit more valuable, and that's when guys really get paid for the first time is after they turn 26, 27 years old. So I can see that from that perspective, which is keeping him around and having him kind of be that next that transition between your older group and your younger group, because he's right in the middle of that, and I, I think that would be in a kind of an important piece for this team to have in a way to kind of ease that transition into a rebuild and then back into contention. Yeah, no, I just look at it from like, which is funny you brought up the prime thing. I was telling Corey the other day when me and my friends playing basketball, they were like, oh, we're out of shape. I'm like, technically 26, 27 is the athlete's best years of their career. So like 26 (laughs) through 29, you'll see the best career years for players. But, um, yeah, no, I look at it in like a three-year span because think about it. Like in three years, Goligoski definitely won't be here. Jalmerson won't be here. Phil Kessel won't be here. Ronta won't be here. Um, who are some of the older guys too? I mean, those are kind of your four top main ones. And then OEL probably somewhere in the mix. So like you have to have some pieces around. And all those contracts too are pretty expensive contracts. So I think they're going to have more wiggle room and money to do especially after this or this year but especially after the year after this year too they're going to have some wiggle room and Corey made a good point the central is aging out as well like you see with nashville right now you see them kind of going downhill and i think they're going to be making some trades so nashville's kind of already near that rebuild dallas is getting older chicago obviously is getting older and they're missing taste too they do have some good young guns too but the real main contender is Colorado obviously in that division um wild's kind of there too but if coyotes really want to make a good push in the next 
you know, three to five years, I think they need to move on from these older guys in these couple of years. I think that's what Bill Armstrong's going to do. And I think keeping around Garland and some of those pieces will pay dividends for them. It'll be interesting to see what they do with guys like Keller and uh, Schmaltz. You know, the Keller and Schmaltz are kind of the same player. So it's like maybe move on from one of them type thing. That's actually a good question. What do you think about trading uh, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz? Because I think Clayton Keller, to me, would bring them the most traction in the offseason as far as trade goes. Granted, his contract is a little bit little bit high, but for a guy who's only 22 years old and who, to me, still has a lot of room to grow and can get better, I don't think we've seen the best of Clayton Keller yet. Um, granted he's, he's really declined from his rookie season. He seemed to have found his game again this year. He's for the most part, you know, he's got 24 points in 33 games, um, which is, you know, a better pace than he was on, you know, last, maybe last couple of years. Like, what do you think about the possibility of moving on from a Clayton Keller or Nick Schmaltz? I definitely think Clayton Keller is one that should be looked at to possibly move on from. I think that it was premature to have really put your eggs all in that basket, considering the fact that Clayton Keller really hadn't, you know, sometimes you get into those situations where you have a great rookie season, then you have a sophomore slump, and then you're supposed to come back up after that. Clayton Keller, I and I think I've said this multiple times, I don't think he is in a position on this team to succeed. He hasn't been put with pieces that will help him succeed. And he, I think he has a lot more in him. Um, I think he just has a problem with his size for one. So you have to put him with people who are a little bit larger and the fact that they can protect him because he is not, um, not the biggest player around. And he just, like I've said before, he's a much more of a playmaker than he is, a scorer and so to put that pressure on him I don't think is particularly the best either um which makes me think he could be successful somewhere else however at the same time if you're going to rebuild a team you might be bringing in players just to suit his style of play and if that is the case then he he might do better here um just considering the that contract and the length of that contract I just feel like it if nothing big changes and you don't build a line around him, it, it would be a poor investment long-term. Um, Nick Schmaltz, on the other hand, I, he is so interesting to me because he's so streaky. He has these moments where he is extremely good and these moments where he just doesn't have it. And um, one of the, the times that I actually thoroughly enjoy watching him is when he goes into shootouts in those situations, he seems to actually just feel comfortable and you see the really the best of Nick Schmaltz. Um, it was funny. I had actually pulled a stat just to um, ruffle Richie's feathers a little bit because Richie hates the shootouts. Um, so I wanted to pull a shootout stat in here. Christian Dvorak, Connor Garland, and Nick Schmaltz are combined 10 for 14 in shootouts this year, and that was from uh, Alex Kinkoff. And, um, and so those are usually the times when I see Schmaltz shine and it, it's unfortunate because of the fact 
that he was shining a lot more um, offensively last season in the first half, and then he kind of dropped off. And then he's just been very subpar this season. Um, but I, 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 in the same regard, I think there's a lot more for him um, talent-wise. He's just not showing at all. Yeah, I kind of, to wrap it up, what Corey said, like, Schmaltz, Garland, and Keller all together, you got to think one of them has to go because all three of them play a very small game. I mean, if you could spread them out on three lines, that would be great, but you need, Coyotes need to get talent to put around each of them, and that's something they're going to have to figure out in the next couple of years. Bill Armstrong has a big task on him. By the way, Corey, I don't hate the shootout. I, I, I've just gotten sick of it, more or less. Like, I, it's time for it to end. It's time for it to go. It's had its day. It's time to actually get rid of the skills competition and extend three on three to 10 minutes. And the NHL would be better for it. Richie has started like Twitter campaigns against the shooter. Well, the issue with the three on three is some, it's almost, it used to be really exciting, but it's starting to get doled out. Like if you watch Coyotes playing OT, they like lull it out and just like cycle and cycle and cycle. And they, each team is waiting for a mistake, but it, sometimes it gets kind of a little. Well, and it's out. and it's kind of just depressing considering the fact that the Coyotes should be better on the three on three. Considering the fact that it's giving them a lot more space, they're you know they're smaller. They can them coming up the ice should be actually their their forte, and it's it's made essentially. I've always felt like the three on three is made essentially for uh, for having offensive defensemen. And considering the fact that the Coyotes have OEL and they have Jacob Chikrin, that should be, you know, two lines of players that are are really solid out there. And it's really depressing to see that they, they don't have that ability to play a lot more of an exciting three-on-three than they do. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think the, the Coyotes are frustrating to watch in overtime a lot of the times because – and a, a lot of teams do this, and it, and it frustrates the crap out of me all the time. And it's like when you get the puck in the offensive zone, like keep it there. Don't do not do this crap where like you exit out and you pass the puck around in your defensive zone for 25 seconds just to get the defense tired. Like that makes no sense. It makes more sense to pressure the defense if you're three-on-three and move the puck and use your space in the offensive zone as opposed to really spreading it out and and playing with the puck either in the neutral zone or the defensive zone. And the Coyotes do a lot of that and annoys the crap out of me every time. But there will be more – because a lot of times now I feel like – I don't have the stat in front of me, but I feel like more games now go to the shootout than NHL would like. And the way to do that in that is is extend three on three to ten minutes – and the fans will love it, and you'll have more games end in actual goals as opposed to ending in a shootout. And I I don't know if this is ever going to change. It might. Who knows? But I just my point being that the shootouts has come and gone. Because like a couple times this year, the Coyotes have have gone to a shootout and lost. Right, and I'm like, well, this is stupid. I wish. Or and against a team they played well against for the most part, and it's like, man, if only they had some more time in the three on three, they they could have won that game. 
And that that's what frustrates me the most. It's like games where you'll have teams dominate or or clearly be the better team and clearly deserve the two points and they'll lose in a shootout. And then like that could be easily fixed. I think too it's uh it also really just highly depends on your goaltending and the fact that like if you decided to go with a subpar goaltender that night and you had to go into a shootout, you basically screwed yourself. It just kind of sucks too from that regard. Um, but I think it's really funny that Scotty mentioned that the Coyotes kind of seem to be in like a lull because it does, it, they kind of, and, and then after you were talking about it too, it they genuinely have a style of trying to lull the other team to sleep. Like they do a lot of what you're saying of defensive zone passing where they're just trying to like tire people out. And it's, it's the boringest thing to watch. And I'm not sure why they go with that tactic, but I can say it's very on par for the coyotes, considering the fact that one of the biggest problems we've said throughout the entire season is the fact that they are not aggressive enough. And especially as of late, they haven't been taking enough shots on net to be worth anything you know so um it's really funny that both of you guys said that because it's so accurate well i mean i will say if you're going off stats coyotes probably wanted to go into a shootout because they're 10 for 14 in the shootout and they're probably confident they're going to win in the shootout so that's probably why they try to lull it out and they're like all right let's take our time and if they give us something great if not then we're going to make sure we're back and ready coyotes have a fast team so like it's probably better for them in that scenario to be aggressive and take them accidentally getting a two on one on them because they have like temper usually back there. So you're like, all right, he can make a quick save, move it up. And you got a two on one. That would probably be better for the coyotes, but they're 10 and 14, a shootout. And I'm Rick talking. I may say, Hey, play it safe. We probably are better odds are getting a point, but I don't know. We'll see. Shootout is, I like the shootout, but three on three is more fun, but, I see more and more teams lulling it out. Well, and so then that that poses a question to Richie, as as I always like to pull the veil back and um, tell everyone, hockey is just like anything else in the fact that it is an entertainment business. And the whole point is to entertain fans. Do you think fans like shootouts too much? Like the hype of the, you know, like the sudden death type part of um, shootouts for the NHL to ever remove them. Uh, I think, I think a lot of fans are over the shootout too. I think it's lost its luster. It really has, in my opinion, for the most part for like diehard fans like us who watch the sport all the time. The shootout doesn't matter. And three on three has replaced it for the most part. And that's what fans want to see is they want to see that three on three back and forth more so than they want to see the shootout. And the NHL is just so slow to change. That's what concerns me is that it's, it's going to be a sport that it's going to figure out five years from now that people don't like the shootout as much as they used to. And, uh, and it's going to hurt them, especially as they move on to their new contract with ESPN too. And you're going to have maybe some more nonchalant fans tuning in. I'd rather them watch the three on three than watch the shootout. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the shootout has lost its luster a bit. You know, I think three and three is way more exciting, but teams have to uh, not play. I mean, if you got rid of the shootout and you said, hey, you have to play three on three, 
I think teams would be a little bit more aggressive rather than trying to lull it out a little bit. I think it also it would be interesting and in, we will never have a season like this again, I, I hope at least. But in a season like this, if you were to have continuous three-on-three three when you have so many games back-to-back-to-back, that's exhausting as players. Yeah, it, it would be tough to do that. And also teams who have like McDavid and Patrick Kane, they have a significant advantage in the three-on-three three over a team like the Coyotes who don't. And Coyotes probably have a better shot in a shootout rather than uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl coming down on you. So it's like... But yeah, I, I agree. Three on three is more fun to watch. And like, and then like, I I always I hate the loser point in the NHL too. You shouldn't get a point for losing in overtime. So if you put me in the commissioner's seat, you get rid of the loser point. You get rid of the shootout. You go three on three in overtime for ten minutes, and then and only then, if the teams are still tied, then you give both teams one point, and then you and then you do it that All way. Right. You call then you call it a tie. And I hate ties, but it's better than a loser point, which is which is no. Dumb. I would not. I would not allow a tie in the NHL. I would become a a soccer fan at that point. It drives me insane it every used, time a used, game ends in a tie in football. It literally is, it just feels so pointless. I agree. I hate ties so much. <laughs> but if Richie was commissioner. I think his first acting thing he should do and would do would be to reinstate Tim Peel, who is also related to Tim Apple, <laughs> and get him back to refing. Oh, what a great transition, Scotty. Thank you for bringing Thank that you. up. I had to throw the Tim Apple joke in there while he was at it. That was great. I'm glad you brought it up, Scott. Let's let's recap what happened. In case you didn't see it, you had to have. It was everywhere. It was on every ESPN show I watched on Wednesday. It was top-line news on Around the Horn. That's what they led with on their show today. <clears throat> but in case you didn't see it, Tim Peel, who is probably the most hated ref in all of the NHL, he's the one referee's name everybody knows if you're a hockey fan even a casual hockey fan, you probably know Tim Peel and you'll probably dislike him for a multitude of reasons. Well, he was caught on a hot mic on Tuesday night in a Red Wings and Predators game where he was caught saying, it wasn't much, but I wanted to give a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the period. And that set off a firestorm of like, oh my God, what's going on here? The NHL has put out their statement where they said that uh, that they have uh, Tim Peel following his comments during the last game will no longer be working NHL games now or in the future, which is a funny way of firing somebody. Or in the case of Tim Peel, he was scheduled to retire anyway, so an early retirement. And a lot of people were talking about this today. And – Corey and I kind of both agree that it was kind of blown out of proportion and it's not really that big of a deal, but, um, <clears throat> Scotty, we, this is the reason we wanted to have you on tonight for the most part. So what did you make of this entire situation and what do you think is going to be the ramifications of this for the NHL moving forward? Well, 
Welcome to Scott's Thoughts, as Richie said earlier. I'll try to keep this short, but I think what the NHL did was BS, and I think they wanted to use someone as a face to the problem, even though it's not a problem, but they wanted to show, especially because NHL's getting into this whole um, gambling business, I think they that looks unappealing when they're like, oh, the refs could be throwing the game, the refs could be, you know, adjusting the game this way but in reality it's not refs do makeup calls all the time because the game of hockey is an extremely fast paced sport and sometimes refs see things and they're like oh yeah that's a penalty but in the nhl refs have the luxury of looking up at the jumbo screen and seeing they're like oh okay that was a bad call like they can see immediately if that was a good call or not and if, the, if it adds up to two, three power plays against one team, they're probably going to be like, yeah, this other team deserves a power play. They've kind of been pinned the whole time. So they're not going to call just some random thing, like a penalty has to occur. But if it's a weak call, it's still a legitimate call. In the case of Nashville, he said it was weak. And I think it was Duchesne or one of them was complaining like, oh, well, if we, we work hard, we deserve the calls and they don't. It's like, well, yeah, but if they, they're calling calls that are weaker against – them you should probably get a call that's weak against you it's one of those like unspoken rules that happens in when i i grew up playing youth hockey it's happened plenty of times from youth hockey to college hockey that i've been a part of baseball has a million unspoken rules and it's bs hockey kind of has this one and the nhl is making a big deal out of it like it's they're like rigging the game somehow and basketball is the same sport it's fast-paced refs make bad calls and they kind of do you know makeup calls you hear the announcer say it all the time so the fact that this is like a big deal and they tried to make tim peel associated with tim apple the face (laughs) of this is not fair and i end my rant on that scott's thoughts (laughs) mic drop mic drop but yeah i think you like i'm glad all three of us are pretty much in agreement on this which is that it happens in every sport. Everybody knows it goes on. Most of these sports are, you put the referees in positions to make, you know, calls that aren't black and white a lot of times. In basketball, in the NHL, and in the NFL too. Like, they're discretionary calls pretty much around around every sport. And so... Like in that there will be there will come mistakes from that and every ref is gonna call a game differently. And like I was talking Corey and I were we were talking about the zero today. I was like, you know, what happens in close games late? We know the referees put away their whistle. What happens in the playoffs late in a close game or in overtime? They never call a penalty in overtime of the playoffs, right? And and there are obviously every year there's a clear penalty that we all see. And we're like, why didn't they call that? Well, it's like they don't want to take – they don't want to become the story of the game. And so it's just like – I'm. first of all, I'm glad Tim Peel is going to be gone. Like sayonara. He, he's been a laughing stock for the last decade plus. And I, I think the NHL here is like by doing this, they gave themselves essentially a – a bad headline, right? Where it's like they tried to do, tried to make a scapegoat, and now you put yourself in a slippery slope. So if a referee makes a bad call down at some point down the line that we know is going to happen, are you going to fire him too? Because he made a call that wasn't right. Like 
it's just it's ridiculous. The best way I heard this described today was, and I tweeted this out, is ESPN's Mina Kimes was on Around the Horn, and the way she described it for the NHL was awkward. And I think that's the best way to describe it, is this entire situation, par for the course for the NHL, is just an awkward situation. I'm curious, if this happened in any other sport, what would happen as as a like if this happened in the NFL, what would happen? If this happened in the NBA, what would happen? But it's like, of course, this fucking happens in the NHL because that's what the NHL is. It's just just an awkward in every sense of the word. Well, yeah, they're trying to cover it up. It's it's like uh, you know talking about sex with your family at the dinner table. It's a thing that you don't normally do, and so now that it was out in the open, they weren't really prepared for it and they freaked out. Um, it the thing that I. I think is really funny of it all, honestly, is the fact that it, like you guys have both said, everyone knows it. It's, it's not anything new. It just happened to be that he was mic'd up. It's everything that has to do with this um, kind of era that we're living in. And the fact that everything is either on video or audio and you can, I mean, uh, Scotty and I were watching about a, a documentary about that, uh, scandal about kids getting into universities they had they were they had phone tapped their lines they so every single thing on that was word for word transcribed um of their calls like we have so you can't say or do hardly anything anymore without someone possibly picking up on something and so that's the difference and it's not like it has changed you know over the years everyone's always done this it just wasn't there wasn't always hot mics around to pick up every little thing. And also to um, the fact that people keep on saying that, Oh, well, at least he's going to, he's going, he was going to be retiring in a month. That whole thing drives me insane because of the fact that no matter when someone's going to be retiring, this is how they're ending their career. This is the point that they will be remembered for whether you like him previously or not. He has the right to end his career in the way that he wants to and that and them using him as a scapegoat really doesn't allow him to end his career the way that he would like to and i feel like everyone has that right until they do something egregious we all know that there's been many of these conversations and sometimes it's not on purpose where it's in an attacking way scotty kind of mentioned it earlier but it honestly is the only way to fix human error you, you make a call and you think it's the right call at the time you look up you see the replay and you're just like oh fuck me that was not the right call how are you going to make up for that you can't just be like oh well i sorry everyone i made the wrong call after it like it you have to make up for it somehow and in to be honest with you, it makes me feel better as a fan to see that makeup call and go, they realize they fucked up on that rather than them making bad calls and then leaving it be. To me, that ma- makes more of a disadvantage in a game than the makeup call because that's trying to even it out. So, um, and, and the other thing too is it sometimes gets into situations where that fucked up call that they made led to a goal. That is something that's a complete game changer. So you at least have to give the other team an opportunity to do the same when, you know, that game could come within that one goal. And probably to my last point on this is the fact that if you're mad about this and you think, oh, this is, you know, people lose their shit about almost anything anymore. Um, But 
if you're losing your shit about this, this is not going to fix the problem. Them firing him will not fix the makeup calls if that is your problem. Um, it is just them saying, hey, look, we we made him retire early. And so you guys can all forget about this and move on. So your anger, I think, is misdirected. If you are going to be angry about something, be angry with the NHL. Don't be angry with a person that just happened to be caught on the mic. Yeah, no, I uh, agree with all that. I just think you are putting more pressure on these refs by what they did, and you're making their job even harder rather than saying, hey, you know, know, manage the game. Like, obviously, you don't want to be a factor in the game, and that's why they put away their whistles, as Richie said, in the playoffs, you know, overtime and stuff like that. Um, But if you're going to say, oh, well, they need to just strictly call every call without any discretion, well, for fuck's sake, half of OT and playoffs, there should be plenty of calls they need to make then. You're going to ruin the game because there's going to, someone's going to score power play goals, whoever has the best power play, and you're going to turn it into that. So I say leave refs to their discretion and let them let the game flow as it is rather than putting more pressure on them. And like I said, many other leagues have these. Uh, if you look at fucking baseball, there's so many unlike said rules to it. Like you can get lost with how many it is. Hockey kind of has this one and the NHL just had to make a big deal about it. And Tim Peel, cousin of Tim Apple deserves a little <laughs> bit better for his retirement. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch the NHL react super, super slowly to this again. Kind of what I was talking about in the three-on-three is they are just slow on pretty much everything. They were slow to react to the Black Lives Matter movement, and they're basically four or five years behind every other league when it comes to that, right? They're four or five years behind just about pretty much everything galore on every topic, I would say. And I have a feeling they're going to be four and five years behind on this too, which is we're not going to see any changes to refereeing or referee accountability for another four or five years. And that's what I hope comes of this is that I hope we do get some more accountability for referees for when they do make egregious mistakes, just like in any other sport. There is some sort of like I was reading an article from CBS Sports here and they talk about how the NBA instituted this two-minute report, essentially, and it it looks at referees and any mistakes they may or may not make in the last two minutes of a game that could decide games. And and granted, we never talk about that. I've never looked at a two-minute report in a basketball game, but I wonder if that's going to happen at some point. It's more just more accountability for referees in the future in the NHL and really any sport, I hope. Yeah, I mean, I think the refs would welcome it, to be honest. I think they'd want to see it and welcome it rather than being fired on the spot (laughs) or just like them saying, hey, I messed up earlier, so I made a makeup call. Well, and for referees, people who who live by a rule book, it would be better to have a rule on it than something that's so circumstantial according to, you know, oh, well, in this instance, it was, we consider this to be bad PR for us. So you're, you're canned or you're suspended or to, to have it more of like a, in this situation, we do this, you know, like an if then type of a situation, I feel like is a lot better than like, oh, well, this person just happened to be mic'd up. So we're going to can them. But then 
you know, when people are clearly doing it during a game, we're just not going to say anything. It's just like, it almost sounds like a drug deal, you know, like, oh, well, well, this person uh, we know is doing a drug deal, but we're just not going to say anything about it. You know, like if you, you really want to make it that way, make it clear and known that like in these situations, these refs will get reviewed and then the refs know going into their job like you know as a worker if I go into my job late then I will have some type of repercussions because of that to when you have a um an unspoken rule and then when someone breaks said unspoken rule and then they get punished for it it's just, I don't know. I feel like I feel like none of this should hold up in court. I'll just put it that way. It's banana lands. It's the NHL Twilight Zone. The old <laughs> version, not the new ones. The new ones aren't that great. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion there. And I agree with you too, by the way, that the new the new ones, meh, they're fine. I, I I you guys have the CBS it's called Paramount Plus now. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys actually have the ability to watch it. I don't. Uh and I watched like the first three episodes of the first season. They're fine, but the old school Twilight Zone, nothing, nothing tops the old Rod Sterling Twilight Zone. Uh, I agree with that. I agree on. And now one, we have one final thing to talk about before we say goodnight, and that's our sporty question uh, on this episode, which has to deal, as we hinted at at the top of the show, it has to deal with dessert and it is if you could have only one dessert to eat for the rest of your life what would it be i said pumpkin pie with whipped cream as is my one seed okay how much whipped cream um and i I actually put a decent amount on mine. Some people just put a, a dollop. I like to like fill it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's what, there, there's you're, there's one of two people. There's no one. I, I don't think there's anyone in the middle. But you either do like a, a dollop of whipped cream or you basically cover the entire thing in whipped cream. I've not really known anyone that's like in the middle. Like get like my dad. Every single time he gives anyone pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, he just does an entire layer all the way across the top of it, no matter who it is, because in his head, that's the way you do it. And that's <laughs> literally how most people are. You either have a little, like, little, little squirt, or you have, like, the entire thing is covered in whipped cream. Your dad also gives someone, like, half the pie as their slice, too. But that's a <laughs> tough question. Dessert. Like, what dessert I want? Like, I have to stick with? I don't know. Oh, mine's easy. Cheesecake. Oh, yeah. That would get, like, so filling after a while, though. I need something light. Oh. Think about how many different flavors of cheesecake there are. I could do that Jell-O cake nonstop. I'd be fine with that. Oh, Richie. Okay. So, one of our families calls it a Jell-O cake, and the the other family calls it a poke cake. But have you ever had one? Uh, I am not familiar with either of those. I can... Let me let me take a look here. Let me if so I Google it, it will uh, it come up? Just cake with jello in it. I don't know how Richie couldn't have had it though. Cause like my parents would make it for my birthday year after year after year. Richie had to have been around. At no, least one see, point this isn't that. a thing. This this 
I'm looking at a Jello poke this cake. Um, it, uh, as far as I know, not wasn't a thing in my family because we didn't, we weren't really a Jello family to begin with. I feel like so like the closest thing I could think of to this, and it's not even even close, but like. No, I'm not even gonna describe compare it to that because it's not even close. No, this isn't. This was not a well, thing we're in my make family. One for Ooh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so it looks so delicious. I can absolutely make you. One you know what it kind of reminds me of though is like a strawberry them. shortcake, but with Jello inside it. No, like yeah, this... I guess it is in a sense, but with Jello. Yeah, 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 kinda. Yeah, I, I guess it's similar. This is more refreshing though. Yeah, so I, like I said, my. Everyone, I guess, on this podcast, since my birthday is July 5th. So, like, it would be, you know, like a Independence Day um, cake that my mom would make. She'd put little strawberries and blueberries on it, make a little American flag. Um, but I, outside of that, like, I used to also make one every single summer because it's v- extremely refreshing, as Scotty said. But it's literally you bake a, um, a vanilla cake and then you poke holes in it, which is why some people call it a poke cake. And you poke holes in it and you make jello. You pour the jello into the cake and then you let it like, you put it in the fridge, let it harden. And then um, you put whip topping on it. And it's like the lightest dessert. And it's like, it's sweet, but not too sweet. You would like it. It looks delicious. I, I looked it up on Google with a picture and I was like, man, that looks really good. So Richie's was pumpkin pie, yours mm-hmm. was cheesecake, and mine was that. All right, I like all those. It's hard Three. to pick one de- dessert though. I I agree. Yeah, it's um, like I don't know. Like if I had to make a power ranking, I I would say like, yeah, pumpkin pie, and then followed by like just as dark as it can be, chocolate cake with chocolate icing, just an easy pe like. Boom, right there. Those are my top two seeds for sure. Oh, I'm trying to, that would be get, get too rich for me. I'm trying to think. And cheesecake's not too rich for you nonstop. <laughs> I would have to not eat dessert except for like once a week or something. I'm trying to think of what my like backup would be. What is something else that I Maybe eat? apple pie or like a peach Oh pie yes. Or... There you go. Oh my gosh, Scotty. I'm not you can catch me tomorrow, Sporty Nation, making up, like, getting an apple pie and baking it tomorrow. Maybe that's mm. that's my next project. I also, make a really good, I also make a really good Dutch apple pie. I used to make Ooh. it for Thanksgiving every year. Yeah. It is good. It's a little bit different, though, because it's crumbled. Well, it's got a crumble. I like the it. crunch. Oh, my gosh. The normal crust sucks. You can't well, have you gotta, you gotta a hand, normal. You got to hand bake the crust. Yeah, with lard and everything. I am not your grandmother. Um, <laughs> no, mine mine is so much better, Richie. It, it has like a crumbly crust on the top. It's not like the boring ass crust. It's like a crumble top to it. It's delicious. Again, I'll have to have you try it. We're going to be making Richie all these desserts. Yeah, Richie's going to gain like 15 pounds by the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still, I still haven't been over to your guys' house in a long time. So next time I come over there, I'm expecting all these treats for me to try. <laughs> I like that. Richie's just going to eat. You You bring your uh, champagne and yes. we'll uh, make the desserts. 
Mm, that's that's good because yeah Corey came over and and baked us cookies which are delicious and i've i'm pretty sure i have been responsible for eating about 60 percent of those cookies over the last few days yeah we made some sugar cookies and then by other request of um cats kid izzy and um we even frosted them and put on unicorn sprinkles unicorn sprinkles i like sprinkles so don't hate on sprinkles (laughs) all right sporty nation that's gonna wrap up our show we're at the hour mark already for goodness sake gosh has it flown by in my opinion uh and before we say good night uh thank you scotty for your scott's thoughts you are welcome to come on and give thoughts anytime you'd like on the show and uh do you have anything else to say before we go Thought like that hoe over there. Scott's thoughts. I'm going to introduce an attractive girl once on this show. It's called Scott's Thoughts. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, Richie. We had to cut you off like that. But thank you for having me on. My my one final point is whoever the Buffalo podcast is for THPN. I'm sorry, but. Buffalo is like a worse version of the Coyotes. And I'll end on that. At least we're not Buffalo. So be happy, Coyotes fans. Corey, do you have anything else before we go? No, I'm the one that had to cut you off by by having to bring up an old, what is that, an acronym? Like the the thought, the, that hoe over there. Uh, I think that was like actually a big thing when we were in like college or some yeah. shit. I don't know why it came to my head when when you said that the last time. But Richie that's was always a college thought at ASU. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. How Richie's going off the rails. We need to end this now. I'm so confused. And you guys, are you sure you guys aren't drinking? Like I thought I was the one drinking. You know a, wait, wait, Richie. Do you know what a thought is? Have you ever heard of thought? No. Like T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T, thought. Like, oh yeah, that girl's such a thought. Or that guy is such a thought. No. No, I haven't. Oh my. It stands It stands for that hoe over there. I picked that up. Make sure up you put from this what, down. Twitter. I, I picked that up from what you guys were expe- explaining there. But yeah, I have no idea. Like, No. It's in a. It's in a. It's yeah. in a song he's too. An old, he's an old man, Corey. I don't. know. I am. It's. A, it's in a song. He's old. Uh, I'm gonna have to look up what what the song is. We're gonna have to get this going for Richard. We gotta educate him. Please do, because I the, have the no... dictionary definition. It is in the dictionary, and the dictionary definition is a woman who has many casual sexual encounters or relationships. Oh, so it's strictly just women. Apparently, I think that's very sexist, though. Hmm. Well, to find a a, a guy version of that. Next show, we'll come up with that. (laughs) Oh, my God. We've we've gone off the rails, everybody. Um... (laughs) Yeah, Richie, we'll we'll, we'll let you wrap it up. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us on this episode of the show. We will talk to you again on Monday. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Corey Ritchie Show and reply to our sporty question and let us know what your favorite dessert is that you would eat 
for the rest of your life. Follow us on Instagram at Corey Richie Show. And follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow me on Twitter at rflores91. And follow Scotty at ScottyFar88. And then follow the network at HockeyPodNet. And DraftKings promo code THPN. Good night and good hockey, everybody.